0: Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I am located in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shi. I am from China, and I'm talking to you from Beijing, China
0: Well, today we're going to be talking about women who face greater financial hardship like in the US. So apparently Hmm. after the age of 65, a lot of women, about 30% of women, feels experience some kind of financial hardship owing to not having the appropriate savings or unexpected difficulties coming Mm -hmm. up. Like uh, a lot of people are getting what they call gray divorces. I've never heard this term until very recently, but it means that essentially they're getting divorced in their like fifties and like sixties. So I guess that's a positive thing because maybe the marriage was like uncomfortable for one or both of the parties, but also it's negative in that According to the information I read, mm-hmm. a lot of the savings was being done or like the 401k was in the male's name, which leaves a lot of women like out. They're like, "Uh oh, well, what do I do now? You know, so this is a new phenomenon that is is kind of affecting a lot of people.
1: It was a little bit of uh not a challenge, but I was trying really hard to wrap my head around it for a little bit for the fact that, you know, this kind of singles out like older women as a group for problems like this. And I Mm. wasn't, I wasn't really sure Mm -hmm. how that would become something that would bother women um, in the States when they're older more than other groups. You know, I'm not sure if there's If you had any insights or stuff, because for me, when I was in the States, just hearing about how anxious people are overall in general about their 401k, um, about their pension, about their retirement financial plans. It's like I felt like the reason why a lot of Chinese people are really happy with whatever job they have is because basically as long as you work for a legitimate company, you will be able to have pension. You will be be able to have a very... Mm. It wouldn't be a luxurious retired life, but you will be able to have a pretty, you know, pretty comfortable <laughs> retired life. So, for me to kind of read news like this, I just wonder, like, what's the kind of the root cause of
0: this sort of gap between men and women, especially in the states? There, I have so many thoughts about this, but and I'm I'm not an expert, so <laughs> most of everything I have to say is just going to be like a shot in the dark. But you know, it seems like a lot of American Americans like don't fully own their home because they de- keep doing like a, a reverse mortgage. So they keep taking loans out on the, the value of their home that they have already paid into the home with interest. So a lot of older people like do this, like first reverse mortgage, second reverse mortgage in the U S. And so what they do is essentially they take the value of their home yeah. and th- then they spread it out over the rest of their life as part of their retirement is like another kind of extra way to, take care of themselves in their golden years, which essentially means they have no estate to bequeath to any of their children because the bank is going to end up owning the home upon their death. I I think it's positive for the people who need to do that so that they are able to take care of themselves. And I I don't think that people necessarily owe like inheritance to their children. If if your child is like a normal, healthy adult then they should be able to get their own job and find a kind of pay their own way. I mean, in a way that's that, kind of what I think. Yeah, for me, it's like
1: I'm like, I'm starting to understand why our parents are my, our Chinese fans are so much on us about getting a job with a good <laughs> company. So it'll fall into that
0: bracket. Mm. When we're 65, I guess. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of Americans, but not all Americans by a long shot, they have 401ks or they have their own investments in stocks. And if, if anyone knows about anything about investing in stocks, all you have to do is invest across the board and generally you're going to see like 7 to 8% like every year at interest so the people that are really suffering on these are people who don't understand how to use their money mm. or the people who, who honestly I, you know, I th- that's an excuse and honestly it's not entirely true a lot of it is people are working two jobs they're working 50-60 hours a week and like they're just barely paying their rent and they can't they don't have enough money to invest and so like there's also that you know yeah
1: I mean it's it's I feel like the topic is a little bit sad because when I think about older, <laughs> older women <laughs> I was like it'll be me in 30 years and Aww. I know. But I felt I for, for me, the word that you mentioned, they don't know how to sort of invest is something that I felt like so I have friends who um took out their four oh one K because they felt like at the moment they were not having enough money saved up or the four oh one K calculation, uh whatever you call it, it's not going to be able to support them when they um, mm-hmm. become out of a job or be when they retire and they would use their 401k to make certain kind of investments or buy certain financial products. And of course that comes with a lot of risk and the consequence or the outcome, of course, wasn't happy. It wasn't, it
0: wasn't a happy ending for, for my friend. You used to work in the stock exchange in some capacity, didn't you?
1: No, I, no, I wish I was that smart. My mom, <laughs> my mom really wanted me to, but I, I was very bad with numbers. Well, I thought you worked in Wall Street in some capacity. No, I wish. No, I really wish. I really wish I were I was sm- <laughs> I was smart enough and was good at math enough to work on Wall Street.
0: <laughs> no. We're talking about homes, and so I was going off in the, the direction of U.S. homes and how people, they make their payments over their lifetime, and eventually they do mo- reverse mortgages to help the pay for themselves as they get older or when they get into financial hardship. But, you know, in China, you have kind of like this other aspect to things where... Chinese people are very serious about their real estate. And like, <laughs> if you want to get married, even you need to be you need to have a mortgage. Oh. It's, it seems like people real estate is the, the primary vehicle for investment or has been over the last 20, 30 years in China. And so, like owning your own home as you get your pension seems to be a thing in China where you don't have a mortgage anymore. You maybe even have a second property, potentially. And so, like, yes, you're getting a pension. You say it's not going to be luxurious, but They don't have a house payment. They don't have rent at all. So like that pension is just for their expenditures.
1: That's what my mom says. She doesn't understand why I want to spend more money on renting a nicer apartment she's like why don't you just you know i can help you with a down
0: payment and you take her off the the oh my gosh <laughs> alex why are you not doing that your mom said she's going to help pay your down payment and you said no what's wrong with you i want to use my own money i don't want to use her money you got so excited <laughs> over that. It's
1: alex hilarious. you have to say yes say see, yes <laughs> see, this is this is why i wasn't qualified to work on wall street as <laughs> someone I didn't I didn't want her to pay for my my apartment. Plus, here's the thing: when my mom looks at um, uh, apartments, and this is also this also really speaks to how robust the whole real estate industry is. Like she has, I don't know, an army of agents that cover different areas of the city for her, and they would send her apartments that become available, and she would look at them, wow. and she would be like, "Oh, I want an apartment that's in a good area that my daughter wants to live in, that's easier for her to go to work or you know have her." But I also wanted to be a newer building. I wanted to have future uh, uh, value uh, added space. I'm like, mom, there's no apartment. There's no property in Beijing that is going to satisfy all of the requirements that you have. But she's still not giving up. And she goes and you know, look at apartments a lot, which which means there's a lot of there are a lot of apartments becoming available every couple of weeks. Basically, people are kind of just buying or, or or changing or upgrading or whatever. But there is a lot, and the real estate industry definitely is super super. um, I don't want to say prosperous, but it, they have a lot of business, and I guess that speaks to the. The, what we call this needs, actual needs of, of the people here. And my mom says it all the time. She's like, you need a house. You need an apartment that belongs to you. And that's your home. I'm like, my little rented apartment
0: is my home too. And she says no. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say, I'm kind of on your mom's side on this, Alex. You know, oh, s- <laughs> since I've come over to China, I've given up on the concept of like the American dream. Because, you know, people in my generation, it's really hard in America. And real estate's insane what people get paid versus inflation is is crazy. So here in China, I I figure I need to do things the Chinese way. So I'm really getting ready to definitely buy in a house, you know, like I'm not even putting the 20% down. I'm going to put like 50% down. And take the ten-year mortgage, so I can like, kind of get a, a, an edge on things. Your mom is totally right; she should be your friend. <laughs> you need to start thinking of her not as your mom. They eliminate the title My mom. Financial exactly. Advance. Exactly. She <laughs> should be your financial advisor. Every month or so, you need to call up her, call mom up and say, "Okay, here's how things are going. You know, where where should I invest? Because she sounds like a very smart lady, Alex. She will. I will relay the message, and I'll I'll
1: get back <laughs> to you on what decisions I make. <laughs>
0: You know, I was thinking about gender roles because this apparently it's twenty percent of men in their over sixty five in America who are experiencing financial hardships. Where like a thousand dollars is like you know a crisis. Yeah. But it's 30 percent of women who are experiencing the same the same thing. So that's you know millions and millions of women more than men. So I, I wanted to address that a little bit. And I was like thinking about gender roles. I want for our American listeners maybe they don't fully understand the difference in gender roles and how they've evolved in America versus China. So. I kind of want to just really t- quickly touch on that. So, you know, my grandparents' generation, I think it's very well known. Actually, my grandmother is kind of the opposite. So it's really, I was thinking of my, my father's mother. She worked her whole life. So I, I don't think this is a fair analogy. She worked in a cannery, work, like canning vegetables and stuff. Like she mm-hmm. she was a, a, you know, hardcore worker most of her entire life, in addition to raising her like three children. So she was like, she was actually yeah. kind of broke breaking out of those those roles a little bit. Her generation, largely women were expected to, like, stay home and, like, use the new, like, oven to bake goods for the, (laughs) I don't know, you know, the black and white movie, like, that you see, like, on TV or whatever. Yeah. Like, that was pretty much her generation. She was kind of an an outlier there. Things change, you know. In my mother's generation, tons and tons of women went into the workplace and there was first and second and third wave feminism and all this stuff where women were, like, Mm -hmm. equal rights and they really trotted it. Now in in this day and age. In America, women outweigh men in universities by like a pretty large margin now. So if you go into university, like most of the students there are going to be females. So they're really taking over the whole entire the workplace, which is really positive because they they worked on it so hard for so many decades. But I also read statistically that Chinese women outnumber men in universities now. Which and they're actually a smaller percentage of the population. There are more men than women in China, but there are more women in universities than men in China. I was wondering if you could shed some light on that. I
1: mean, I, I wouldn't know the, the you know, the very thorough consensus um, and how that becomes reality. But in my university, uh, shout out to Beijing Foreign Studies University. Can I do yeah. that? Um, we had so many of so many more female students than male students my i was an interpretation uh english translation interpreting major student and there were 24 people in my class in in our cohort that year only two were men and the, the rest of the 22 were all women and then a lot of i am I, i'm imagining that the the reason why there are a lot more girls than than guys in uh, colleges or higher education was because there are probably a better, like a bigger number of students being enrolled into programs, um, in universities. And then those big number students programs are more arts than, um, uh, you know, math or engineering. So overall, I think girls probably outnumber guys a little bit more, but, um, there are, like you said, there are more guys, like, Because this is like census wise, there's more guys than uh, they're more male than female. And I would imagine that that part of that gap is going
0: into the the labor, the labor force of the society. Mm -hmm. And they're probably already working. So speaking of like heavy engineering kind of math majors, I was looking at some statistics and women are also taking over in STEM fields in China. And although they haven't reached equity, 44% of all STEM uh, majors in China now, as of the year 2017, Mm -hmm. are actually women. So... It's almost at parody.
1: I'm trying to re- recall all of my teachers in all the school years. And I think I had like one uh, biography, not biography, sorry, <laughs> biology teacher, <laughs> biography teacher. That would be an interesting subject to teach. Yeah. <laughs> I had one uh, uh, biology teacher that was uh, a guy. And then the other science teachers were all actual, actually female teachers, including all of my math I had one math teacher that was uh, a male. Everybody else was female. I imagine this is probably because there's are so many schools and, historically people tend to go to school more and they go, they go up a little more so in their years in school all they see is like girls in school mm, or girls mm. teaching and that probably gave girls more urge to hmm. more motivation to continue their study this is completely made up <laughs> <laughs> I know I know that's my guess that's my theory I think they're seeing people as their role models and girls think they could do
0: that for sure and you know, so they all go after degrees as a teacher I noticed that actually at the beginning of every term you know my I get new class of kids and they they all are bright and shiny and excited about me telling them about the world which is wonderful as being a teacher you should try but um (laughs) if for the first month or two we don't usually talk about like what do you want to be when you grow up you know we're learning just basic stuff and I usually start the conversation off by asking them before I try to manipulate them into like becoming scientists and (laughs) doctors and lawyers for their parents. I ask them, what do you want to be when when you grow up? First thing out of everyone's mouth is they want to be a teacher. Like 90% of the kids want to be a teacher. It's because they see the teacher, they know what the teacher does, and they're familiar with their role, and they're comfortable, and they usually look up to their teachers. And so the first thing that all the kids want to be is a teacher. And then I have to start teaching them what is a scientist, what is a lawyer, what is a doctor. What is it? What are different workers, community helpers? (laughs) Then suddenly all the boys want to be firefighters six months. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, don't be me. Be something else. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think you're right. You know, look, people look up to the people that are around them and the people whose job they seem to understand and know a little bit about and teachers professors people you relating you relate to because you see them every day yeah. become kind of like a cornerstone of something you feel like you understand And, you know actually think about it if you if you work in a in a cubicle right mm-hmm. you, that's how fun is that i don't know <laughs> a university professor basically lives in a giant park you know because the university campus is like filled with little estuaries and like parks and Flowers and trees. It's actually a very wonderful, ideal like, kind of place to, to work. I I have
1: to super super agree with that because I had this attachment to university because my dad was a university professor and I sort of just mm-hmm. grew up in that you know on his campus and whatever. And I know that a lot of people felt like. It, they're kind of being bound to this one job for a long time because they have to go tenure. And, you know, there's all of these other kind of certification that uh, process that they need to do and they have to teach and do research, but mm. it comes with, it comes with two paid holidays <laughs> and you, you have your <laughs> students respect and stuff. So just a quick, uh, P.S.A. for my friend Christine. You'll be okay. She just recently joined a, a university and became a university professor, and of course, the job comes with a lot of uh, a lot of pressure and standards she needs to meet. But. If I could, if I could be qualified as a university professor, I would take that
0: job in a heartbeat. There's no, there's no, I mean, no question about it. You were saying your mom wanted you to get a PhD. So the opportunity is still there, Alex. I felt like I just, I just, I just shot myself in the foot. <laughs> you know, your mom has all kinds of very good advice. I guess she's, she's smarter than I give her credit for. She does definitely seem like a very smart lady. <laughs> Buy a house, get, you know, invest your money wisely. Like you uh, get a PhD that she, didn't she say she would pay for that? <laughs> <laughs> she did. She did. She did. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm, I'm not a spoiled Chinese kid. Just so, just to make it clear, <laughs> <laughs>
0: hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. You, wait, wait, you just said ten minutes ago she was going to pay the down payment on your house. I
1: turned her down. I didn't take that offer. Oh, her.
0: so you're just choosing not to be spoiled. It's a per, it's a personal choice.
1: Good good play on words, Jason. I have to touche. I have to give you that.
0: So um, I also read about this is 2007 again. There are 88 self-made female billionaires around the world. That means they didn't inherit any of their money. They started out with less than a million dollars and now they are all billionaires. Mm Fifty six of these are Chinese businesswomen. (laughs) So that's a full two thirds of all self-made billionaires in the world are Chinese.
1: females. Okay, I, I look. I'm not trying to paint anybody in a negative light, but I do have this anecdote. <laughs> I, think, I forgot if I mentioned it before, but sure, sure. I remember when I was leaving the States, I was going to come back to China. I posted this, uh, you know, status on Facebook and I said, well, it's a good, you know, five and a half years and whatever, but it's time and it was a great memory. I'm going back to China. And a friend said, a couple of friends actually, some, most of them are like, oh my God, I am sorry. I was like, okay. Okay, I, I, I'm just gonna take it as you're feeling sorry for the fact that I will no longer be close to you guys and we won't be able to hang out as easily. But one of them was very straightforward. And I don't believe he had any bad intention behind it because we were pretty close friends in grad school. And he said, God, I am so sorry that you are going back to a place like that. Um, I was like, Oh, whoa, what's? And he's like, Why are you going there? I was like, That's home. And he's like, Well, women have a very oppressed life in there. So I hope you're going to be okay. I was like, Um, uh, no, we're not oppressed. I don't, it was very, it was very hard for me to explain <laughs> what it is. And, you know, I've had this kind of exchange with people and they're like, oh, we talked to like five Chinese women and we know that what, what life is like there. I was like, how about I live 24 years of my life there before I moved to yeah, the United yeah. States? Yeah. <laughs> I knew way more women than you guys talked to. And this is how it is. And this is one of, cause we, I actually talked about this with my uh, other American mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. who've been in China for a long time. Um, they brought up this statistic to me they they brought it to me they brought it to my attention saying that more than half of the female billionaires uh, Mm, like mm, entrepreneurs mm. in the world are in China I was like exactly like I I mean I don't know what other statistics statistics would be more um and just like if you if we're talking about this is 86 all over the world and 57 of them are in China and then the others are distributed in different countries I, I imagine so I, yeah. I I felt like that's just something to at least to hopefully people could read and think oh maybe it is different there than what I thought it was and, and it really
0: is I am pretty except for my parents I don't really I don't really bend for nobody <laughs> on the same tact about Americans misconceptions about China before I came to China I was curious about it now I invited some friends to a identify- dinner who I thought might know something about China. One of the people there was someone who had mm-hmm. lived in China, an, ex, an American expat for one year and came, came back. And another one of them was a Chinese American ABC, you know, American born Chinese. And she yeah. got into a huge argument with him over dinner. So like I was just there to like learn about China. So like, you know, they were telling me about hot water at first and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, like really basic stuff. And then he started like ragging on China a little bit. And then she she went to like yeah. town on him because she was like you live there one year i've been chinese my whole life my parents are from china i've been to yeah. china blah 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 blah. and she was saying like no one who just went over to china and lived there for one year can like suddenly know more about chinese culture than someone who is chinese and they had this huge argument and it's like and this guy had lived actually lived in china and had all these misconceptions and knew very little because he was living in his expat bubble versus uh, someone who only just visited china that yeah. was like ethnically chinese and her family was Chinese and from China. It was like almost blows. And, you know, when I read, when I was reading like, uh, <laughs> when, I, when I'm here in China now and I read Western media about China, I'm always, every article thinking, who the hell wrote this? Have they ever even been here? Like there's so much misinformation about like China that it's very frustrating to even try to read like American perspectives on China because they really just don't seem to know what the hell they're talking about.
1: I really I really hope you're you know, I it's making me I, I, I love hearing comments like this because it's people. And then it's not necessary that if you come and live in China, like we're not going to expect everybody who come and live in who comes and live in China would just understand uh, Chinese culture and Chinese society and Chinese history all in one sitting because there are people who stay here for a very short time and that kind of just corrects everything that they think they used to think about china before yeah but, sometimes yeah but there are people sometimes. who live here for a long time and still never really opened up to what china is and what she or he could do you know in this country but i i, I ran into after one of the performance the performances i had the other day and there was there were a couple you know older american couple and it turned out that the guy was a, a senior management of a very big i'm not going to mention name again mm. um a very 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 big automobile uh company uh, from the states and he's been here for a couple of years i think 3 or 4 years and he saw he was here of course during covid and everything else and he's just like you know he was a little tipsy but he was like <laughs> he said china is mm, awesome and he's like and you he said you women here you just you just you just take it over you just take it over he said this is why they don't like me back in the states but you just take it over <laughs> so i don't know some people see it some people don't but i do i do hope that you know if you've never lived here and you you really want to talk to people talk to chinese people apparently we speak english hello (laughs) (laughs) and talk to people like jason who's been here for a long time who's like thoroughly enjoying his life
0: Quickly, I don't want to stick on this for too long. and I don't want to rag on too many expats living in China, but there are some expats who come over here and they like 95% of their fans, like friends are like other expats. So they're like, oh yeah, I have this British friend and this Irish friend and this like Canadian friend and they're like, you're living in China. Like maybe you could mix some Chinese friends. Like how do you expect to like grow in China? If like all of your friends are from somewhere else.
1: Like I know here's, here's a little
0: quick piece, little
1: advice for Chinese expats or people who, you know, our listeners who are probably planning on visiting China. Um, this is what my boyfriend did when he first came here. And he still doesn't really speak that much Chinese at all, but um, he would go into neighborhoods. Where you're like, Business establishments just by himself mm, without mm. being able to really speak the language, but he just puts on this smile and he always does a mm. thumbs up to everybody. <laughs> you have no idea how popular he is among Chinese people who don't speak English. Mm. It's ridiculous. I don't like it. <laughs> 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 so try that next time.
0: It might be something that, you know, a part of your experience that's definitely going to stick with you. Well, he sounds braver than I am. Most of the, the Chinese friends that I'm really close with, they speak English. So I'm very fortunate that like a lot of Chinese people learned English because a lot of them are like that's how it's comfortable for me when i'm speaking chinese i feel like on the back foot like what's going on what did he say i think he said this but i'm not sure (laughs) yeah and you do know that you could do like wechat instant translation
1: right as as you as you type the text into the the conversation box it
0: gets translated here we are on a radio show podcast i enjoy talking i have to say so (laughs) you know there are a lot of in beijing especially like no that's not true in wuhan too there are a lot of people who speak english so it is actually not that hard to like meet people a lot of people I'll be hanging out people literally walk up into me and say oh hello where are you from and so it's like oh okay here's my potential next friend you know because people who speak English in China oftentimes are like if they speak really well they're looking for expats to hang out with they're like oh I want to practice my English (laughs) I know (laughs) yeah so like it's like okay great I want to have friends so you want to practice English I want to have friends this sounds like a symbiotic relationship perfect exchange (laughs) yeah perfect exchange You know, I still wanted you to flesh out maybe a little bit about, like, how have you seen or have you perceived through your mom and dad and your grandma and grandpa, mm. like, how have gender relations, like, evolved, been evolving over the last, you know, I don't know, I guess since your grandparents' generation?
1: Yeah, I felt like I could be a little bit uh, not blinded, but I might not have an overall picture. But for my family, I felt like it's a good representation of what gender roles really were in in my grandparents' generation and my parents' generation because my mom's side of family is from the rural area and my dad's Mm. side is from sort of a smaller town it's more a little bit more city-like and so of course my and then my even my uncles and my aunties on my mom's side they're still living in rural area in rural China and for them I felt like the generals didn't really change and people like to Mm. think like of course women give birth to children you know but when it comes to housework and stuff they're both really working if it's, mm-hmm. it's farming time they will be they will both go into the field and mm-hmm. come back if they have to take the kid to take the kid when the kid is old enough or their siblings older siblings just take care of the younger siblings so that both mom and dad could go into the field and do the farm work and if not then the mom will do all of the work that really needs to be done to keep the house until the husband comes back Um, so it's really like both people are are working, it's kind of like, I imagine in the sixties and seventies, and this is all knowledge from madmen, um, you know, (laughs) Mm. in the States, women are home kind of taking care of the household and men are kind of working in different areas, except for, I didn't really have the firsthand information of what other women were doing around my, for my people that are of my grandparents' generation. Uh, for my dad's side, my, my dad's dad, my grandpa was, uh, was, uh, part of the army and my grandma like my dad's mom my nana, she was a kindergarten teacher well she still well she doesn't teach anymore but when she was younger she sort of just started her own kindergarten in their bigger living room at the time and she has taught a lot of people and a lot of those people turn out to become uh, kindergarten teachers um, themselves and my my grandma my nana, was working her whole life. Like she was never a housewife and it was not like she worked and became this Mm -hmm. like big entrepreneur or, or like role model or whatever, but she was always working. And my, my, my grandma, my grandpa who passed away when I was very, very young, I never really got to meet him. Um, after he retired, um, he, um, became a, I think he worked in a um, you know, like a, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. what do you call those? Like a pharmaceutical company sort of in those factories. Um But, but my, my grandma was the person mm-hmm. who raised their old, their whole family and worked mm-hmm. as a kindergarten, like principal, uh, however you will call that, but she was running it. She mm, was teaching mm. it. She was hiring teachers to teach more kids in the school. So she was very well respected in the local community. And then both of my parents were still, they both went to university and a lot of people in their generation had the opportunity to go mm to pursue higher education and a lot of them were both really working and there was not, I mean, traditionally, of course, women would take on more responsibilities at home um, because of, you know, if they decide to have a children, it's just natural that they have to put more time into being with the children. And then at, during that time, the men might need to just work more. But right now for Mm. people, my generation, if we, you know, look at history coming down to where we are now, Mm. people are pretty well balanced when it comes to that like my friends I had a couple friends who had babies recently and they have 6 months of legal maternity leave all paid for um and that's like they just if they needed to do that and apparently if mm-hmm. you're still breastfeeding mm-hmm. there's a lot of reimbursement you could have from the company as well I just recently went with my colleague to get that for her so for me, for me, mm. I felt like I don't know if my my view is a little bit skewed, but I felt like it's mm. kind mm. of always been pretty balanced in China. Like the, the general, so just like whatever we both could do to take care of the family and, and socially has always been like that. Like we had a lot of female workers in the in the factories in like the 60s and the 70s. And right now, if you go into any office building, you would mm. probably see more female workers than male workers. Which makes me wonder, I was wondering, (laughs) where
0: where where did the,
1: where did the guys go? I don't know, but
0: that's, that's just my, my experience, you know, living in China as a Chinese person. I mean, I obviously don't have the background that you do, but I know my wife's grandmother, she's tough as nails. So she, she lives out in the countryside, like, and she refuses to be moved <laughs> into the city. So we we'll would be like, okay, come and live with us. Oh. She's like, no, I don't want to. This is my home. And she like li- lives in one of those really old homes where she has to use like coal under the like, you know, and to cook her own food. Give up, give up on that. It's never going to happen. <laughs> and she, she actually has plumbing yeah. because the government installed, that's a whole other story. But about five years ago, government was like, everyone has to have plumbing. And so yeah. like, I went there the next Chinese new year. And there was, it went from the year before there was a pump to there was. For plumbing, and I was just like, Whoa, what happened? And it was like, Oh, the government just installed plumbing everywhere, the entire country is like, okay. Wow. (laughs) Anyway, so she, she works really hard. She farms for a lot of her own food (laughs) and like, she's like really old. I'm not sure exactly. I know, but she's like late seventies, early eighties. My, my wife went to go live with her for a couple months, a few years back. Cause Um. my wife was like, Oh, I want to spend some time with grandma. I was like, sure, sure. I'm going to catch up on all my movies, right? You know, go have fun with grandma. So she, she, (laughs) she came, my wife came back with muscles. She was like, Oh my God, grandma works so hard. Every time she went out, I went out with her and I couldn't keep,
1: <laughs> yeah you yeah that's the same with my with my all of my aunties because they're older as well they're like in their early 60s and my uncle's late 50s whatever the 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 amount of work they do is just incredible i was like i will if i want to lose weight like my mom is, <laughs> you know <laughs> ask me to i should just go back to the countryside and stay there for two months i'll come back you know super fit and super strong <laughs> yeah well it worked for my wife you know <laughs>
0: I was reading that same article that we started out with. And one of the things that it attributes women having a lower uh, pension in America to is women taking some time off for their their babies. And so, like, there's a, you know, if you have two or three babies, you have like, maybe two or three years where you're not working or something mm. where your career stagnates. And that lowers the total average of income. Which leads to maybe a slightly lower pension than a man gets because a men men typically would work through that. Yeah. And I was thinking about China. I'm not sure how pension works, how you get pension, how it's allotted. But women here get paid maternity for about ha- half a year. Yep. So if you chose to have yep. one or two children, you would miss work, yes. But you'd still be fully paid during that time. It
1: would not... Yeah, and it would not affect your social benefits,
0: for sure. Especially now, with the government's really promoting, like having children, there's no way there's going to be any kind of punishment for having children. Yeah,
1: basically, because I was uh, just going around different offices with my colleague lately for all of her reimbursements she has to do, basically, mm, I wouldn't say all of it, but pretty much most of the expenses after the childbirth. Because, I mean, I I could understand, you know, the childbirth itself, that process, anything could happen, and the cost could go from, like... 2000 quiet to like 200,000 quiet different. mm, mm, So I I don't imagine the company would just pay for all of that, but all of the other expenses, but like doctor visits and um, and like the pumps she needs to buy and all of that, like those little expenses are all covered. And (laughs) yeah, so it's, it's financially, if you are with a good company that has that kind of system, like even if you are on your maternity leave, even if you are breastfeeding and there's a lot of extra work and she gets an extra hour uh, off every day for uh, the time that she needs to pump mm. so technically she could leave work earlier than all of it because she had she does have to take care of a baby and that's just i think that goes on for uh i don't know however however many months exactly but it's basically as long as you're breastfeeding you have that you have that policy for oh, you
0: that's pretty neat. Personally, like I, I think my perspective is similar to yours. Maybe like I feel like all of the representations of leaders and business people I've worked with in my entire career have been women who, who have been my leaders Like in America, too. Like it's not just been in China. Like <laughs> I worked at the zoo, my direct line manager and her direct line manager, both females. And I worked at a, I worked at a movie theater mm-hmm. in a daily city south of San Francisco. And like my manager was a my direct line manager was a female and the women, person who ran the movie theater was a female then I moved to China and the everyone that was the manager was always <laughs> a female. Like, so it's, it's all, just like yeah. my entire life has been like my bosses have been women. So like in, in both countries. So like, I think that's, you know, follow, maybe just the way things are now.
1: Following Sue, Jason, you should be a manager yourself, too.
0: <laughs> Those are your role models. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be a manager. I know it's a, <laughs> it's a lot that's, to put up with. Yeah, I, I like being what they call an individual contributor because I only have to be responsible for my own behavior. My concern about being a manager is that when someone else is a slacker, then that's on me because they're they would be my direct report. And I don't want to be responsible for someone else not having the same work ethic that I have. <laughs> and you can't do anything to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can encourage them or something. But like that's that sounds very stressful. Like someone else isn't doing their job. but it's partially your fault. That's that doesn't. Sound
1: most. Fun. Yeah. Most of the time, it's just all if you are a good leader, that becomes your fault completely. Right. You have to you're not going to go up to your report line. Why not? and say, oh, my subordinates screwed up and <laughs> that's why the task is in its this, in this, uh, state right now. You have to be like, all right, I will fix it. And you can't just throw other people, especially people that are your subordinates under the bus. Well, you know, so-
0: this isn't entirely true around the world. There's something called the Global Gender Gap Report, and it indicates that it's going to take the next 90 years for like all of the world to catch up in terms of gender equality in the workplace. So there's a lot of places around the world where this isn't coming to fruition, where it's not happening like it is in in some more developed countries. So there's a lot of progress on a global scale that still needs to be made.
1: Absolutely. And I I, I do know that there are a lot more programs. Like you said, there are a lot of a lot more women in China uh, studying and working in STEM and there are a lot of programs in the world that sort of try to give girls and and especially younger girls the exposure to STEM when they're, when they're kids, when they're still in school. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. Like if you see it as a kid and you see that you could do this, you see that you could be a math teacher. You see that you could mm-hmm. become really cool, doing chemistry stuff to a bunch of younger kids. That'll make you want to do it, or at least that'll make you think mm, like that's mm, an option mm. for you in the future. So I, I think, like you said, it may, it may take some time because history is history and it has this, it has this residuals or whatever. But I, I guess as we progress forward and with more, Stories about female entrepreneurs I, I don't know if there's like stories for all of those six eighty six female entrepreneurs that you you talked about, and they should be you know if you
0: majored in biography, then you'd be able to write
1: those books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm going to look very seriously into that. And then that's going to be where my money comes from. And I'll pay for the apartments.
0: You know what? You could probably instead of writing 86 books, you could probably just start with one about all 86 of them or whatever. And then, you know, like, hey, here's and then you just call them. Hey, I'm doing a, a book about the other 85 women. Do you want to be in the book? And you just keep doing that. Look at you. Like, yes, yes, look yes. I want to be in the book. Well- I want to be in the book, too. Yeah.
1: We'll probably get a phone call from someone and say, hey, drop that idea. We already started writing about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: How dare you? I started this six months ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I do I do want these stories to be really widespread and it helps younger people for sure. It also, I felt like it'll help the world kind of. Look at China in a different, through a different, very different lens, you know, with all of these female entrepreneurs I have. And if you really, if that really interests you and you dig a little deeper into, I don't know, social media or whoever that you know that have any understanding of what this place is like. And then you just look at it and, and, and hear these stories and you'll you'll know kind of i will say that no place in this world is perfect but it really isn't like my friends on facebook really didn't need to feel feel sorry about me coming back home <laughs> <laughs>
0: Another statistic not related to gender is uh I think it's two thousand nineteen. I could be mistaken, it might be two thousand twenty. But I think it was two thousand nineteen. Officially, there were more billionaires living in Beijing than in New York City. So like it's not just like the rules, the gender roles are changing, but like the balance of total wealth distribution is also globally changing in, in different ways. And so I thought that was really interesting. And you know, having lived in Beijing and seen all of the I knew you were gonna go there. there. I knew you were gonna go there. <laughs> yeah, it's totally I mean, I see I see this one blue Lamborghini here in Wuhan, but I always see the same blue Lamborghini. So, like, I'm pretty sure that there's not as many billionaires here. But in, in Beijing, there are some very nice cars. Maybe that blue
1: Lamborghini driver was only just going by you on purpose, making sure that they... <laughs> you see the person all the time. But I there was one day I was uh, I was going to work and my commute was about 40 minutes. I saw three Mustangs driving by and I was like, there must be like a Mustang club or something that's having some <laughs> sort of activity today. I know that there are a lot of nice cars on the road, but three within like 20 minutes. That's a little too much, a little too many. Mm-hmm. Really. Nice well, you Mustangs know, Tesla's is
0: taking off here. Test, there's Teslas everywhere and they're beautiful cars. And my wife was in one. I. It was, I have not been in one, but she was like, it was like being in the future is how she described it. I
1: know I've been in one too. And it's, it's just a giant, uh, uh, what do you call those? Like those control boards. It's like the, you Mm -hmm. know, the touchscreen control boards. And it's just, it just feels like, because that thing is so big, I'm like, I felt like something is missing from this car. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It feels good. It looks good, but
0: I don't know if I want one. (laughs) Beijing definitely has like the like taste of opulence. Like there's, you know, when I first moved there, it was very lovely. I, I enjoyed living there with all the choir and the plastic tables <laughs> and the people clinking their glasses to drinking Baijiu. But it's definitely very posh now. Like a lot of the mall, like a lot of that's gone. And like a lot of the little shops kind of closed down and were replaced by really nice posh shops. And like there's so many malls. I think China could probably almost be described as a land of malls because every major city you go to... In every district, there's two or three of these super malls that are like twelve stories tall and they have like everything from the Gap to Gucci, right? <laughs> like yep. yeah yeah so like you could go into these places and just be surrounded by like opulence. like there are three or four Starbucks in the same mall <laughs> and like so which it's like which Starbucks you want to go to you know the joy city uh yeah at Chingney and Lu, I think there are three or four Starbucks in there. And that's Every not including <laughs> it's not including Costa Coffee which there's also another one of that and there's like a luckin outside on the on Oh the-
1: god I could never find my way in Joy City in Tianjinlu and and if people don't know this is I can't even think of a place that's as big it would probably be as big as the only comparison I could draw would be Prudential Center in Boston uh, but Prudential Center the building the whole building it's not just the, the first couple of floors it's like the whole building i always get lost in the enjoy in city Lu. and people are every time my friends like Oh, yeah, me me at this Cantonese restaurant. I'm like, which one <laughs> on which floor and which escalator do I take? Because some of them goes to fifth floor. Some of them
0: don't. I'm like, you know, actually, I have to say my favorite place to go. And I'm not I don't think we're supposed to mention brands, but I, I love going into the toy store, the international brand name toy store there. And just like looking at all the little toys because they have so many cool toys. I wish I was a kid again when I go in there. You can still buy it. Nobody's going to stop you, Jason. Uh, yes, they are. I bought a bunch of st- Star Wars toys. And a couple years ago, my wife was like, you know, you have too many toys (laughs) cluttering up the house. You know how many Star Wars toys I have now? I'm allowed to have one. I used to have 20. Now I have one because it was like there's too much star wars toys you're an adult jason put these toys away
1: you're getting yourself into trouble with this impersonation (laughs) you're you're getting into so much
0: trouble oh no (laughs) (laughs) well i guess well i guess she wants sushi later as long as i take her to sushi i'm I'm gonna be okay
1: (laughs) and i guess it's very clear to see who who is sort of the boss in your household
0: (laughs) well she also has these little cats these little toy cats and so we have a battle about the cats so she puts them out and on underneath the tv and i think they look like clutter so i put them in i put them in the (laughs) drawer and then a couple weeks later the cats will be on the table again there's no spoken words about the cats so much as we just keep moving the cats (laughs) it's just an like a a quiet war between whose toys go on the table well i don't
1: have i'm not allowed to have my toys i'm not gonna comment on that (laughs) domestic issue (laughs) are meant to be handled (laughs) by yourselves
0: In terms of like gender roles changing, with the larger percentage of women in the university system, both in the United States and in China than men, it seems like all of the future, like a lot more of the future leadership roles will probably be taken up by females. And so it looks like the progress that women started, you know, in, in the United States anyway, 50 or 60 years ago, and in, in oh, I guess even longer than that, you know, because of that women's suffrage movement 100 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it looks like that progress is really coming to fruition in our lifetime and in at least in these I I am a firm believer of that I felt like where whatever you know traditional
1: view of gender roles in different workplaces different cities or different you know parts of the world that's probably gonna we're probably gonna see a change and that's not to say that you know the people that are in the in those jobs on those you know in those positions are not doing good enough of a job and we have to have a change it's just naturally you know because of how how the whole Women's rights and expectations on women in society we're changing over the years. That's kind of a destination that won't be, that no one could avoid. And it's just going to bring about these changes that we're talking about and we'll see more female leaderships, and we're kind of already seeing that in leaders of the other countries and like the entrepreneurs we've talked about so many times in this episode. And I think all of these female managers that you had (laughs) in the past are probably going to rise up and become some bigger names. Well,
0: I certainly hope so. But, you know, it brings us back again to the original uh, topic about women who are retiring and these gray divorces who are impacting women, because apparently 45% of women who experience a gray divorce experience a decrease in living standards. So I'm wondering, and I don't, I don't know if we can answer the question today, maybe it would take statisticians to go out and do more research or something, but like, is this a trend that won't be there in 20 or 30 years? Or is this something that, is this a remnant of an older time that this is still impacting women? That they get divorces in their fifties or whatever, and then their quality of life goes down. So will this stop happening as a trend later? Or is this something that people of the in America you need to look at and figure out how to more equitably divide up like living standards amongst both of the the parties in a divorce? It seems like a very complicated issue. Yeah, but it is one that's impacting millions of people, millions of women.
1: Equality is hard to hard to reach because there are so many factors that play into how things are calculated and distributed. But equity is like if I do what I do, I get what I deserve, basically. And if I am a woman, then naturally I need to have a couple months of my life where I am fully committed mm-hmm. to raising a child or being with my family. Like that's part of yeah. keeping the family going or whatever. I do feel like this again, every time I read articles like this, the one that you you know, you, we were sort of referring to. It gives me some sort of urge or motivation to do something about this, but it's again, I don't think I can have any power over it. But I do think it's a, a, an issue that needs to be addressed as as a woman myself it's really hard for me to think like oh these women working like you said two jobs three jobs to to feed the family have to suffer even more at the time when they're supposed to retire and and enjoy their lives like and then if you we had um we we have another episode if if you go and dig it out with that we were talk about retirement life for people in china and when we talk about like i said the word retire in chinese it means quit and rest basically you quit your you quit your (laughs) job and you can rest for the rest of your life like however many years you could live you could just enjoy it and for anyone to look at their years where they're not as physically capable to look at it with anxiety and stress that's kind of like like, if society as a whole doesn't want to solve this problem, then mm, it's, mm. like, imagine the bigger, when this becomes something bigger than what it is right now. When the gap mm. becomes bigger, when the amount of financial pressure that older women after retirement would face, that's, like, I I don't know. I don't think anyone would want a society really like that. And if you don't want that, then something needs to be done kind mm. of right now, you know. We have to, not we, but everybody.
0: <laughs> My God. Oh. Okay, or maybe I'm a little <laughs> off point here. Okay, so actually, I was thinking it would actually be a really quick fix, and I'm going to sell China here for a moment. You know, China has like all what a lot of West Northern European countries have and Western European countries have that you know it has a kind of degree of socialism. And that I think this America needs to start embracing that to a little a little bit. So if women are being down calculated 40 years, they spin out of the workforce because they were having children like they need to change that. <laughs> so they just need to recalculate. Oh, OK, this woman had three children and she was out of the workforce probably because that and like take that out of the calculation towards the way that her pension is going to be distributed. And secondly, they should there should be maternity leave in the United States. And I I, I am not speaking from just China here as an American person. <laughs> who, you know I think a lot of other Americans agree with there should be maternity leave like America's the only developed country in the entire world without maternity leave and I think a, a lot a, a lot of Americans tens of millions of Americans completely agree with that and that, that that's something that we need to fix.
1: yeah that's something that really surprised me as well. I did not know that I did not realize that there was no maternity leave I always thought there was I mean we salute to all the tough mothers out there striking a balance. Between life and work. But I feel like I'm watching my friends going through her new motherhood. I'm like, she needs time off. Like, (laughs) you need to give these women time off. You're not going through the same physical pain these women are going through. Mm -hmm. They need time off and it needs Mm -hmm. to be
0: paid. You know, I have a coworker (laughs) who, uh, gave birth a few months ago she didn't have any maternity leave she she joined our company just after she gave birth so i'm not sure how that worked exactly but she is really tough she didn't she showed up to work like two weeks after she gave birth all the chinese staff were like oh my gosh she needs to be home and like they're and they're right you know to some (laughs) extent like yeah absolutely but she was fine with it she's just like yeah we have an AI, nari is taking care of the baby and you know yeah she, and they give her time to go and uh I don't know what the machine is It's called uh you mentioned it earlier the I, pump the pump yeah she has like a robot pump thing <laughs> i don't
1: know yeah i mean i mean each woman recovers differently and mm-hmm. different families yeah. have different you know expectations of how they want their new mother to protect herself and help raise the baby to make sure that the beginning of this new life is going to be smooth and healthy but i feel like women needs at least have that option you know ne- yeah I, I agree it needs to be a, to let them choose you know like if, if they want to come back to work after two weeks kudos to them but if they need really just need more time to to recover they need to become they need to their body needs to needs to heal then they don't have to worry about losing their job i felt like it's super I don't know. It's it's pretty unfair. (laughs) I read
0: something three or four months ago where there is a now, I don't think a lot of people do this, but there is a scientific way that males are able to incubate a baby. And I was terrified. I was like, (laughs) someone needs to assassinate these scientists now. (laughs) Do you,
1: do you, I want to ask you this, just, I don't know if you've heard of this or if you, if there's this kind of service exists in the United. Just joking. Go on. I don't know if you uh, heard of this or seen videos like this, or I don't know if this service exists in the United States, but it's been very popular in recent years in China. Um, Hospitals are these, you know, care given. They're not really hospitals, but people could go in there to spend the first month after they gave birth to babies. These facilities would offer this experience for dads, or for, for dads to be to experience the, uh, the delivery pain from, you know, from the, to feel what contractions. What do they like? Take a knife and
0: stab you? I don't <laughs> This is terrifying. It's, it's
1: these little, you know, uh, electropaths they put on your, on your belly. And they were basically creating that sensation with, uh, with uh, shockwaves, I guess. <clears throat> and uh, you, know, there, there's been a lot of videos circulating on the internet, and these dads who are, they're already pretty good at whatever they're already already treating their wife very nice, but would they? feel the pain like you see a lot of them kind of just walking out of it with teary eyes because that's because <laughs> that's like five minutes and your the mom is gonna go through that for like a day or so, so. i think this is a great idea for other
0: men to try <laughs> business idea again jason well you know i was thinking what yeah It is definitely a business idea. I could torture people and make money. (laughs) So wrong. All right. right, We are out of time. As always, it's a delight speaking with you, Alex.
1: Likewise, Jason. All right.
0: See you next time. Talk to you next
1: time. Bye-bye.